You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. We have a great show for you today. I sat down with Brown and Balance, Josh Davis. Josh is the voice and creator of Brown and Balance, a platform that highlights the Black hospitality community. Josh shares his journey, what brought him into the industry, his passion for it, and a big spoiler, what he's going to do next. So grab a cocktail and enjoy the show. All right, Josh, thank you for joining Served Up. Thank you for having me. This is an honor to be on here with you. I am so happy that you're here today. You know, I've had the honor of watching your career develop um, over many years. So for me, um, being on this podcast with you is really coming full circle. So thank you. No, absolutely. I, I tend to, I credit you with a lot all the time. People ask me like how my career kind of changed. It was when I took the AOS 14, the last one at Cordon Bleu with you. And that's when Aww. everything kind of, the doors kind of opened up, the light kind of turned on and everything has come from that moment of me doing that with you. So I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you too. And I'm just really happy that you're here. Um, but for our listeners, you know, I would love for them to know and to understand, you know, how did you come into the industry? Oh, sure. So <laughs> it's funny. I, uh, before I got into the industry, I worked at Foot Locker for uh, six years. And uh, I was a store manager there and everything was fine. And, you know, but I'm the type of person that like, I don't like ceilings. I don't like like my trajectory being stopped at a certain point. So it was like, okay, I was a system manager and I was a store manager. Then I was a manager trainer. Then I can only be a district manager and that was it. And I was going to end up spending 20 years working for somebody else for them to give me a pension. And I was just like, it's got to be more out here in the world, you know, than that. So I started uh, venturing off in the nightlife, hanging out with some friends, started promoting parties. And then uh, I ended up with a job as a door guy at a, at a nightclub and, you know, that's fun. <laughs> um, got to be the bouncer, got to beat up people sometimes. So that was a lot of fun. Um, so one night at the place I worked, the uh, the owner was like, hey, man, I need a bartender tonight. Like one of my bartenders called off. I need. A bar. I was like, man, I, don't, I drink drinks. I don't know how to make them. He's like, dude, you look good. You know how to talk to girls. Just get behind the bar. I was like, all right, whatever. I got behind the bar. He threw me on the slowest bar. It was like four bars in the spot. So he threw me on the slowest one, you know, because he was like, he don't know what he's doing. Nobody's going to come over there. Did little was he wrong. Like everybody and their mama came over there that night, right? So I knew nothing about making drinks. So what I did was, I don't know if you remember, remember when Long Islands came pre-batched in a, in a 750? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, everybody all night, whatever they ordered, they got a Long Island. So if they wanted a gin and tonic, <laughs> they got a Long Island and tonic. They wanted rum and coke. Long Island, like that's all I poured all night long. So I'm pretty sure I broke every rule, every basket, everything that we know now. I probably broke it that very first night of bartending, but I made more money in that one night than I had 
bouncing and I didn't have to fight. I wasn't involved in altercations. I didn't have to do it. I said, wow, like, if I can make this amount of money and not know what I'm doing, maybe I should take, you know, some time to look into it. So working at Foot Locker and I'm in bartender school. Uh, shout out to American Professional Bartender School down on uh, Wabash in Chicago, right across the street from Columbia. I don't think they're there anymore, but they were there then. I signed up, took a two-week course, got my Bassett, got my certification, and literally started bartending right after that. I uh, started at a place called the Players Club. It was a young lady in class with me who was the owner of the bar, bought the bar and paid for her to go to bartending school so that she would have a bartender set as soon as they get ready to open. We met, became really good friends, and I ended up being second bartender there. Me and her were the only two bartenders at that place from there forward until the place unfortunately closed a few years later. Wow. That's kind of the quick story uh, how I got into it. So I just, yeah, I I probably gave some people alcohol poisoning when I first started. But (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. I I, I pray I don't. I mean, it was a great night for everybody, I'm assuming, because, you know, Nobody was sober when they left my bar at that time. But again, I had no, I would never do that now, but I literally had zero idea what I was doing. Uh, Well, I think that that's um, very comparable to most of our careers, right? I mean, I started off in, well, at first I started off in dish, which is zero fun, washing dishes at at a club. Yuck. And then, uh, then they put me behind the bar because I I refused to wear heels and be on the floor because I'm not that graceful. (laughs) <laughs> is better behind the bar, <laughs> but I learned so much. And I do feel like with this industry, you either, you just, you love it and you become consumed with it or you don't. Then that's what happened to me. Um, to fast forward, I was on a date one night and I met uh, the infamous DDO, Daniel De Oliveira. I was on a date at uh, Mercadito and me and my date, we were sitting at the bar and he was making drinks and she was like, well, you're a bartender. And I was like, yeah, I bartend too. But I wasn't doing what he was doing, right? He was using fresh juice, and he made, like, a blue blazer. And I was like, wow, like, what? I, don't, I don't do that. And I saw how impressed my date was with him. So I automatically didn't like him at that point because I was like, well, she's not supposed to be that impressed with you, right? And we do the same thing. <laughs> but then um, I just talked to him. I said, hey, man, like, you know, I bartend. I work at a little spot. Um, but I've never done what you're doing. And he said, here's my card. Call me. All right, cool. I gave him a call. He invited me to the Don Q competition at, um, oh, man, I can't, why is the name escaped? At Le, oh. Le Passage. Mm-hmm. He invited me there. I went to that, and I, like, my eyes, again, the light turned on. I said, wow, like, it's a whole nother world to bartending. I didn't know anything about a bartending competition. I didn't know anything about, like I said, using fresh ingredients. And I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm like, I, I saw him. I met you there. I funny. I met Kyle there. I met Lynn House, Ardashi. Like, I met everybody there that night. And I was like, okay, how I don't know any of you guys? Like, how can I get to know y'all better? And uh, he said, hey, you should take this class. It's called the AOS, Academy of Spirits, through Southern Wine and Spirits. He's like, Bridges, the teacher, she's my mentor. She teaches this class. You should sign up. So I think two classes went past before I had the opportunity. Because they go there back then. They were like, as soon as you were posted, Everybody signed up. Yeah, like, it was super fast. It was like a ticket master. <laughs> right, right. And it was <laughs> like, the day. <laughs> I got to get, I got in the 14. And it was right after my good friend Ramon Henderson. He, he took 13. And I took 14. Me and Chastity Beasley came. We did it together. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, every week it was a different speaker. I met a lot of people who I consider friends and mentors through this, through this, uh, 
the course of my career through that. I remember my very first class was a rum class with Tad, Car- Tad Carducci. Mm-hmm. That was my first class. I didn't know who Tad was, I, but I was so engulfed. Like, I changed my work schedule to make sure I was off on Tuesday, and I went in late on Wednesday because we all used to go hang out after class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that, too. Yeah, they, used, yeah, they used to do tippling Tuesdays at Mercadillo mm-hmm. in the basement. And so I was like, oh, there's no way I can make it to work early on Wednesday. So I'm going to change my schedule because I just fully became immersed in it because of you. So like I said before, I credit everything that I've, I've gotten to do in this industry from that chance meeting of Danny and him introducing me to you and what you brought to Chicago with all of us. It's all praises are to you for sure for that. So thank you. Thank you, Josh. That's a really big statement to make. Thank you very, very, very much. But today is (laughs) Chicago. I I really feel like you did. I met Kyle through you. Uh, I used to hang out at drinks over Dearborn. He inspired me for some of the things I've done, you know, career wise, as far as doing private events and stuff like that. But, Without you, I wouldn't have never made that connection. And so, you know, you're kind of like, for me, like the genesis to my career here in Chicago. That's a really big statement. I don't, it's a podcast. I've got to be able to speak and not get teared up over here. Josh, I wish I could give you a big hug right now. As soon as we can get anywhere near each other, I'm hugging you for real. I can't wait. I really, really can't wait. Well, today is all about you, and I want to know more about your career, but I really want to know um, how Lush Life came into your life and what, and really tell the listeners what Lush Life is. Sure. So Lush Life, uh, Lush Life Productions, uh, started by Lindsay Johnson. And Leo Borowski is a bartender education-focused company. Um, I met them. Again, I, it goes back to you because from taking the AOS and graduating, I started going to different liquor events, uh, Manhattan Cocktail Classic, Tales of the Cocktail, things like that. And I met Lindsay through that. And I, they were just throwing parties back then. They were just doing a lot of activations for different um, companies and clients. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. So then I follow her career. And then she created Camp Run Amok, and, um, which is basically a whiskey camp for bartenders. Um, it's not as run amuckish <laughs> as people think um, because there's a ton of education packed into a ton of fun. And I think that's the one misconception. A lot of people, they think, they see the pictures and like, oh, wow, they're just partying, they're in the pool, they're doing this. What they don't know is we spent eight hours at a distillery hanging out. Like, there's nothing better than going to the Wild Turkey Distillery and hanging out with Jimmy Russell all day long. Like, you're literally, he's sitting in a rocking chair, and you're sitting next to him, and he's just telling stories. Like, that's, that's, that's those are invaluable experiences that we have. So, uh, from that, I attended a lot of Lush Life events. Portland Cocktail Week. Um, like I said, run amok since 2014. Uh, Portland Cocktail Week since 2009. I've been going every year. And uh, we had a real big mix-up in the industry a few years ago. You know, big dust-up with some things that happened with uh, Tales of the Cocktail. And uh, I chose to speak out on some things and, and let my feelings be known. And uh, Lindsay saw an opportunity there and said, hey, I want to give you an opportunity to say this, but on a platform. And so I started consulting with Lush Life and teaching classes on the road during the Bar Institute, um, working at Camp Run Amok, recruiting other uh, black and brown bartenders to become a part of it. And uh, from that, we started which we'll probably get into a little later in this. I don't want to give everybody everything right up front, but from that, over the years, we ended up coming and creating uh, Brown and Balance. I had an idea what Brown and Balance was. We created and now three years later, it's grown to something way larger than I ever expected to happen. 
Did you ever think when you were bouncing back in the day that you would have the platform that you created today? Not an idea. I was honestly bouncing because I wanted to get in the nightlife and I really didn't know a lot about it. And I was like, well, if I'm throwing parties and I'm the security guy, I could kind of see it from the inside out. Never in a million years would I have thought I would have fell into this. But also, again, I've been blessed with opportunities to meet amazing people like yourself that have helped shape, you know, what, I, what I've been able to do because I had no idea. I was just trying to make some money. That was it. <laughs> well, that is what we're all trying to do. Right. Day too. Yep. But if we can make a difference and help people out as we go along, that yep. just makes us even richer, right? Yeah. That, that's, that, the fact that I have bartenders now that like see me or hit me up on Instagram with them and be like, yo, I've been following you. You're an inspiration. I'm like, I'm just me, man. Like, I'm just like, I don't, and I know I have to get better at it. I'm really humble because I'm like, I'm just being myself. You know what I mean? I'm not. I never do anything for clout. I don't do things for people to tell me how great I am because at the end of the day, as long as my kids think I'm great, everything else is expendable, right? Like long as those three little people love me and they know their dad is, is the best dad he can be, I'm okay with that. If nobody else in the world ever appreciated me, liked me anything, they do. So I won. So when I get it, it's, it's such a humbling experience to see people that like, they really look at me like, I'm that guy. And I'm like, I never did it to be that, but I'm learning how to, how to embrace it and how to say, all right, well, now I got to keep pushing forward. But, but that's just you being you. And that's your superpower because you don't try to be anyone else. Mm-mm, nah, nah. I like me. Most yeah. days. Most days I like <laughs> me. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about Brown and Balanced as well. You know, this really is your baby and your platform and you're bringing a lot of people up under you. Can you tell the listeners what it is? Yeah, so Brown and Balance is uh, it's a series of pop-up bar events to highlight uh, black and brown bartenders. Um, over this career, it started back in 2006, 2007-ish. Um, I always saw people that looked one way, that were getting all the shine, all the accolades, well-deserved, in most cases, very well-deserved, you know. But I, I only saw one thing, and I was like, well, when I go to bars, I see male bartenders, I see female bartenders, I see black, white, Asian, Spanish. I see all different types. But when I would look at um, Eater and I would look at all these little lists and all that stuff that comes out, you know, I would see the, literally these same names all the time. And they all look the exact same. And I was like, but that's not really representative of what our, our, our industry is. Like, we have all – you can go from the young – hippie, you know, yuppie kind of hippie bartender to the old, old school barmaid. And it's, it's so many things in between that. There's like, no, nah, I feel like we need to put a light on those people as well. So uh, 2016, into 2016, going into 17, uh, I was on tour with Lush Life at the Bar Institute. We were teaching in every city. Uh, myself, another one of your students, Ashton Berry, um, we were all out on the road. Again, you got a lot of babies out here, Britt. That's why I let you know. You got <laughs> it's you. It's you did this, just so you know. So all the havoc we're wreaking on everybody is, is y'all can blame Bridget for all of it. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> um, but we were out teaching, and I was just like, we were having an impact teaching. But I said, you know, it got to be more I can do because again, I'm still seeing all the same faces all the time. So uh, I, I don't know what city we were in. It was like three, four in the morning. We were driving to the next city to do the event. 
And uh, I was just writing in my phone and my notes, like, we should do an all-black pop-up, like black bartenders at a black-owned place, DJ, even down to the graphic design. I want everything just to be black. And I came up with the idea. We, the first one we did was July 31st of 2017 um, at Shoals in Dallas, which was a black-owned place, one of the only black-owned places in Deep Ellum. Uh, we did it there. Myself, Micah Anderson, who was uh, at the time in Oklahoma City, I had no idea if it was going to be great, if people were going to receive it, because it had never been done before. So I was like, man, I hope people enjoy and understand. Like, I want to bring the culture that we have into what we do. Because when I would go to the Camp Run Amucks, and when I would go to Tales, I would go to these events, not to say things weren't even, but to just call a spade a spade. It's a lot of, you know, a lot of whitewashed events. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I, I'm awkward at these events because I kind of stand out, right? So let me show other people what it feels like to stand out at an event, come have some fun, and just also show that, hey, just because we're brown or just because we're black or just because we're, you know, in the marginalized community does not mean we do not also have the skills and the talent to do it on the same high level as the people who are getting the praise. And I liken it to comedy, right? Um I think it was, what, 2005, Cat Williams was, like, the hottest comic in the world. Like, he was doing shows, specials, everything. He had about a two-year run, and then Kevin Hart came on the scene. And then when Kevin Hart came on the scene, everybody kind of pushed Cat to the side, and Kevin Hart got all the shine. And I said, well, no, it's enough room for all of us, right? So if you think about Chicago, it'll be myself, Lynn, Chastity, Ramon, Andre. We'd all get a lot of opportunities. Think of other cities, people like Aaron Joseph, Tiffany Barrier, you know, just all over the country, but the same faces were getting all the opportunities. And I said, nah, it's a lot. It's got to be more talent. Like, one day we're going to get old, and one day we're not going to want to be standing behind the bar all day. Let me identify that next crop of bartenders who can come up and who can keep the torch and keep the momentum going so that we, we can make our industry a little bit more inclusive than what we've seen. And that was the point to identify, and I've done – 13 events live. Um, I can honestly say that every bartender who has done a Brown and Balance has either moved into a brand job, has moved into uh, a bar management position or a consultant position or started their own thing. Micah moved from Oklahoma to Portland, and he's now one of the bartenders at Rum Club, which is one of the best bars in the country. So I really look at it like we just need the opportunity. We just need somebody to kind of – put their neck on the line and why not be me, right? To just kind of help and just push forward the culture as a whole. Absolutely. And you're doing a, just an amazing job. It's not easy. I think some people think that what you're doing could be easy. And I know it's not. It is draining. It's absolutely not. It's draining, right? It's got to be draining true. on you. But you keep going at it and you keep yeah. creating that space and that opportunity, you know, and keep giving back, which yeah. is why it is so successful, I believe. Thank you. I always laugh. I, I like what Dave Chappelle said. He said, the worst person to be is the first black person to do something. <laughs> he's, like, the worst, he's like, because that's the person that does all of it, that takes all the heat, all the brunt, all the stress. But then as the thing grows and it grows bigger, that's the last person people remember when everything comes to fruition. But if you have an attitude like I do, I don't care if anybody notices me or gives me the accolades. As long as I know I can make some of those doors 
for some people easier than the ones I had to kick in. That's where I get all my accolades and gratitude from. Yeah. What do you see with, um, with Brown and Balance? Like what, what's its future? Because you're doing these, um, these amazing events now, but is, is it going to be even bigger than what you expected? Do you have plans? Yeah, we have, it's, it's funny, 2020, I had some big plans for this year. and well, well, we, all, we all did, Josh. <laughs> you know, it, you see what happened with that. But it, yeah. it, it went from the idea of a lot of brands. You know, I live on the south side of Chicago. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people and a lot of brands, a lot of brand people I've spoken to that, for whatever reason, you know, we can ask them the reasons, but they don't come to a lot of quote-unquote urban communities. I hate that word, but they don't, they just don't come. And I've had so many conversations. So what I said was, well, what I'll do is, you won't come to where we're at. I'm going to force your hand and bring people to you. And it's worked. So now that I have that work, now there's, a, there's another generation of bartenders that is coming up, is doing big things. Now I want to move into mentorship for that group after them. Because again, that's the only way we're going to keep going as long as we keep reaching back. So as they're, as the bartenders who work with me so far are growing and getting busier and doing bigger things and getting more accolades and just being out there, they might not have the time, you know, to reach back and help somebody else out. So let me still be there as that quote unquote OG to say, hey, uh-uh, I, I got you. Come on with me. Let me show you what I did and what I showed this person, and let's continue the thing on. So right now, larger events, whenever we're able to go back and do events again, um, mentorship, um, working on a cocktail book, so it'll be out soon. The Brown and Balance cocktail book will be out soon. Uh, the first one will be three volumes, and it'll feature all the bartenders, yes. um, volume one, two, and three. It'll feature all the bartenders and their cocktail recipes. So I just got to buckle down and finish it, <laughs> the first volume. Um but we're just going to keep growing and growing until it stands alone, like a Tales of the Cocktail, like a, you know, Camp Run Mother, where we can have Brown and Balance Weekend, where we identify those bartenders at TGI Fridays and those bartenders at those little hole-in-the-wall places because a lot of people forget, hey, they're bartenders too. They count just like we count. Just because you work in a quote-unquote top 50 cool bar doesn't make you any better than that person that's slinging those pina coladas <laughs> at Fridays. So let's identify them and let's do – what Bridget did and take people like myself that come from those backgrounds and show them it's another world out here for you too, if you want it. So Yeah. There, there is this whole other world that you just mentioned that I do think that gets kind of left in the dust way too much, you know, and you're talking about, you know, the mom, a lot of like the smaller, even if it's a mom and pop corner bar, maybe if it's a big national account and the bartenders that are really busting their ass and doing more volume right? Than a lot of these geeky cocktail bars or even sometimes the clubs. Okay. Yep. I made so. more money as a club bartender than I ever did since I've been a cocktail bartender. <laughs> like wow. I made way more money every night as a club bartender. Well, yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, <a club. laughs> right. I was just slaying. I, I'm just looking at, I'm just, boom, 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 just making drinks and having fun. And I think because we grow and yeah, I, I love the growth. I love the things I've learned, but Every now and again, you know, those bartenders, they're, they're untapped talent. They're really, if they have the same opportunities, you know, me and Jerry Schubert in Kentucky, we, uh, we do a big um, music festival that they do down in Kentucky. We staff the bars for that. And we call it Club Craft because we're doing craft cocktails, but we're doing it for 10,000 people a day. So, you know, it's, it's a way to mesh the two worlds. I just, I just, I want to try to figure out a way 
to do it effectively so that we can all grow. Because well, the better I, we all are, the better the industry is. Right, right. And how do you tap in to those bartenders? How do you know. recruit them? You know, how are you know. getting them involved in, yep. and starting those somebody, conversations? I told somebody the other day, I said, I'm tired of going to the same five, six bars when we travel. So when we go to New York, go to L.A., go to Portland, we all go to the same places. No, I know. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, let's start looking for some other bars outside of our little tiny circle. Because I guarantee there's bartenders there that are super talented because it ain't about making drinks, right? It's about the service and it's about the experience. That's one thing you always taught me. It was about the experience. I could teach anybody to make a drink. My son knows how to make cocktails. He's 10. <laughs> you make a mean mojito. I'm uh, better than mine. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But so I can teach anybody how to make a drink. But what I can't teach you how to do is how to make me want to come back. And I think we all need to do I remember I was at Tails one year and uh, pro I probably had a little bit too much to drink and I was really hungry. And we went, we found a TGI Fridays on somewhere on Canal Street. And there was a young lady in there with, in New Orleans for Tails and she had no idea what Tails was. I said, you got to be kidding me. You don't know what's going on. I gave her wristbands. I said, you need to come to these parties. But I had so much fun hanging out with her. It just made my experience there. You know, I mean, yeah, I just want some chicken fingers because I, you know, <laughs> I may or may not have had a little bit too much to drink. You, know. you may or may not have been at Tails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just, you know, just a, a tad bit, you know. Mm -hmm. But then it was like, how are we in your city and you don't know what's going on? Right. That shows that there's a, there's a, a, a gap somewhere. And I want to identify what it is and figure out a way to fix it. Right. I think that we're just scratching the surface, man, with everything that even everything that you're doing, you're opening these doors and just, we're just really at the start of what yeah. things could be and what should be. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I really, like I said, I've always said, if I could help one person, I felt good. But the fact that I'm helping more than one and I'm inspiring other people, i feel great and I just want to keep it going like I just I just want to keep going I just want to keep identifying new talent new talent I meet so many black and brown bartenders like almost on a daily now like they're in my inbox they're in my DMs I'm just like yo I, I, I'll talk to you soon I hope you know what I mean because I'm just overwhelmed like I can't believe it right I was telling my son because he's now he's old enough he's starting to realize like his dad's pretty cool you know <laughs> You know, cause I'm just dad to them. They don't understand. But then he, he, he got, he's on my Facebook page now that he's an adult. And he saw something. Uh, I was in the Thirsty uh, magazine, Shout Out to Thirsty. And he shared the article. and was like, wow, look at my dad. Like, my dad really does cool stuff. I was like, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I'm all right. He's like, no, nah, dad, like, people really look at you in a different way. He was like, I never realized it. And for me, that feels good to me. Like, I, I love that. That's what keeps me going. Um, a friend of mine said, how do you do this? Like, I know you get tired. Like, I know you don't, you don't want to do it every day. I say, yeah, but when people say you made me feel good or I watched your live and that inspired me to do something, that keeps me going. I just have to hey, grab some wild turkey or something, take a shot, keep pushing. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. And you're back in school. Yes, yes. Uh, COVID. Talk about that. COVID, uh, I, I'm, I've never sat in one place this long. It's, we're going on seven months now. I've I've never been unemployed this long. I've never just sat and done nothing. And I was like, even though I still have work I'm doing, it's not my whole day isn't full like it normally is. Right, it's, right. This is so weird. And I said, well, let me figure out another way 
to generate some income. So I, uh, I went and got into an electrician program. And uh, in doing that, I love math. I've always been interested in electrician. I just bought a house last year. So I was uh, with the guys when they were you know, doing my basement and stuff, putting up fixtures and things. I'm watching. I'm like, I'm paying these guys all this. I could do this. So it don't seem that hard. You know, let me just, you know, try it out. So got into the program. And now I'm working on, <laughs> like, the Brown and Balanced electricians. I'm working on something like that where we can go in now and we can take care of bars. Um, as bars are remodeling, we can get some some brothers in there. We can go in and we can wire your bar and I'll do your cocktail menu all at the same time. You oh one-stop shop here with me. One-stop shop with you. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something. Electricians, they will weather a storm like COVID. They will weather a pandemic, right? And all this and, and everything because um, we we need to have our lights on. <laughs> you need lights. Yep. Yep. You need you lights. Know? My dad told me he said, I always have a job that you can always do no matter where you are getting in our industry until now <laughs> I thought it was going to be this. Right. But this is another thing to have in my back pocket, you know, and I was just, I really was looking at, we're actually remodeling the bar that myself and Sherry work at. Um, we're remodeling now. So I'm like, I can go in and I can save us some money. I can do some fixtures here and there, you know, and do things like that. So it's yeah, been a, it's great. been a fun ride. Yeah. It's been a fun ride these last uh, few months getting, getting used to being in school. I've been in school since the nineties. Man, you couldn't pay me to go back to school, so oh, I'm just... <laughs> I'm like the old man in the class. It's so... <laughs> so I was, in, uh, I, I was in my second course, my 105 course. It was like theory. And my one guy that sits next to me, we were just talking. And he was like, yeah, man, I'm 21. I just turned 21. I said, oh. <laughs> I said, man, I'm 41, man. I, I, said, I graduated in 97, dude. He's like, well, what school? And he told me, I told him what school. He said, hey, you know such and such? I said, yeah, that's my dude. He was like, yeah, that's my dad. I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, God! I said, man, don't talk to me. Go sit somewhere else, man. Like, I know I'm in school with you, and I I grew up with your dad. That's but you're showing, yeah. man. You're showing everybody it's never too late to do mm-hmm. something, especially yeah. during these times. I and I'm not going to use the p word, the p i v word that I can't stand. <laughs> I we hate do. that word. I can't. I'd I'd rather wear wet socks. I cannot stand <laughs> that word. But. But we do have to be creative, you know, and you did say something like we never thought that we would be in this time, especially in our industry. Right. It's always happened. And so I do know that if as a bartender, if you didn't like or had issues, whatever, at the place you're working nine times out of 10, you could go next door or down the street or somewhere in your city and get a new gig. You didn't have to go on unemployment. You didn't have to do all this stuff. Right. Um, How do you think that we will recover? To be honest, <laughs> I don't know. Like I have been racking my brain because there's no bar I know that can sustain fifty percent capacity. Right. No bar, no restaurant in the world that if you can only have half. Like it was hard enough when you're full. So now we're cutting that in half. I don't. I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I laugh. Uh, when you remember, we used to go to like the Las Vegas uh, bar show, and they would have like the robot bartenders and stuff. Oh yeah. And I used to laugh, like, "Oh man, they're gonna come take over our jobs one day." I truly feel like that might be the next wave. Um, and there'll be maybe one person in the bar to kind of take take over everything. You know what I mean? I don't know. I really don't know. I I have had so many discussions, and I have tried to figure out like what can we do. What can we, how can we come back from this? I, I don't know. Um, it's going to look really, really different no matter what happens. Um, I really feel like 
I went out, when did I go? I went out a couple weeks ago and it was so weird sitting at a table and not being able to sit at the bar and communicate with the bartender. It was so yeah. weird. And I think, because most people go out for that reason, right? To talk to the bartender, to have that one-on-one, have that rapport. And that's going to turn a lot of people off from going out because they can't get that same experience, especially people like us that we're older and we've seen, you know, how restaurants and bars work. Now, these younger kids that are coming up, this is their normal. So it might be able to recover a bit because of that, but they're going to lose so many people in our age group, in that 30s, 40s age group, that I don't, I don't want to go out and sit at the table. I don't sit at tables. I sit at the bar. Hey, you sit at the bar and you have that rapport and it is about hospitality. And if we lose hospitality, what do we have? Man, it's nothing. Cause yeah, I, ugh, I don't even want to think about it. It's, it's hard to even imagine a world where we don't have what we do the way we do it. It's, it's, I couldn't even imagine. I, I remember growing up and thinking, being a bartender was so cool. Like Sam Malone was my guy. Grew up watched. I watched my Thursday nights with my grandmother. Man, God bless her. She's not with us anymore. But my Thursday nights, we would watch Cosby Show, Different World, <laughs> Cheers, and L.A. Law. Right. And I thought Sam Malone was the coolest dude in the world. Not because he made a drink, because I don't remember him making a drink ever. Um, but it was just that rapport, just that one-on-one he had with everybody that walked in his place, made me feel like. I could do that one day, or he makes everybody feel good. And if, if you take that away from us, you just have robots making cocktails. Yeah, which unfortunately, some places I know in Vegas that they do, you know, but I don't think, I mean, and we just said it like hospitality is not replaceable, even in these times that we live in, right? So, what do we do as a community to be there for each other to really just step in and just step up? We got to stick I, together. We have to stick together, together, you know, the best that we can do. And I do think that through the platforms that you're working through, through things like Brown and Balanced that are giving people an opportunity that maybe they didn't even realize that was possible, right? And being a mentor to that next generation, because if we don't continue to mentor the next group that's coming up, we're in trouble. We're in a lot of trouble. Uh, I tell people all the time, like, you know, create your own everything, you know, quit wait. I know when all this happened, you know, everybody talked real bad about, you know, USBG and everybody talked bad about the brand. What are the brands doing? And what's USB? Hey, don't wait on somebody to take care of you. Figure out, figure out your lane, you know, and figure out what you can do. I said, I'm going to be honest. You know, when all this happened, I had about a two week period. Where I was like super depressed. Like, man, what I'm going to do. It's my son's senior year, my little two, we got to eat. I just bought this house. I got this bills not stopping. I had about two weeks where I was really down on myself. And I said, you know what? We're going to make it. I'm going to figure out a way to make it. And I'm not going to rely on, I hate to use the say it like this, going to sound bad, but I don't want to rely on a handout. I didn't care if USBG gave me money. I didn't care if brands were giving me money. I, I'm going to figure out a way to do this. And I think I told a lot of bartenders, Get your virtual game up. I started teaching cocktail classes over Zoom to regular people that are at home that wanted to go out and have a cocktail and couldn't. Okay, well, guess what? Get 10 of your friends. It's $20 a person. I'm going to teach you guys how to make five drinks at home. with stuff you got at home? I did it for one person. Everybody that was in her class 
referred me to someone else and booked for about two months straight. Wow. I was in my right here with my bar behind me in my home working, like making cocktails, teaching people how to make drinks. And I self-sustained myself through this. You know what I mean? Uh, fortunately, we got, you know, the, the, the um, unemployment bonuses and stuff like that. And that was all good. That took care of bills. But had that not came through, I still made sure that, hey, take what we do and figure out another way. It, it's What we do is still valuable. It's a trade. My God, it's absolutely valuable. Yeah. I think it's undervalued. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a trade. It is, it is a trade. Nobody, everybody can't do this. You're everybody right. thinks they can. And they found out real fast in them little home cocktail classes, they didn't know what the hell they were doing. They <laughs> found out real quick, like, oh, that's how you make that? Yes. Is like, that easy? Yes, it's that easy. You don't have to do, you know. So I, I feel like we just need to always have people like yourself um, that are leaders that are kind of showing the way, right? Like, I look to people like you, Lynn, um, man, Colin, Jackie Summers, people like that that I just, I watch how they have moved throughout the years and how they have stayed successful through good and bad times. And then I just took some of the tips and tricks y'all have given us and made it my own and figured out my own lane and kept moving forward. Yeah. You, you're doing amazing things, Josh. Thanks. You really Thanks. are. Let's talk a little bit about that consumer. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about that consumer and those home classes that you were doing, because mm -hmm. I think that that is definitely um, something that we don't talk about enough and something that um, is, like you said, it's like right under our nose, right? We're missing the customer. We're missing that connection. And what you did was absolutely brilliant, you know, just picking up your, from your bootstraps, like, okay, I'm going to create these classes. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to get it, right? Because the consumers are people, too, and they're stuck in their houses, too, and they want to have fun, too, and they are thirsty. Yeah, yeah. So with what you just said, um, what advice can you give to the bar community to get creative like that? You know, what are the steps? What, what can they do? Well, the first thing I always tell everyone, um, virtual and social media is going to be the way we sustain ourselves. Um, it's, I have a love-hate relationship with social media because I, I don't really like it. I'm just, I'm not a guy that likes, I don't, I hate being in front of cameras all the time. I hate taking selfies and doing, I don't like doing that. But I do understand the value in being out there and doing it. I'm like the old grumpy guy that just does not want to do TikToks and stuff. Like my daughter has me doing them every day with her. <laughs> I've like, seen them. They're so good. Oh my god! Like I'm They're like so I, good. I, I, I have no. Them. I'm like I don't know what I'm doing, but all right, I'll do it. So the best advice I can say is research what um, what platform you want to use first. Um, I separate my platform. So my Facebook is professional. Uh, my Instagram is professional and personal. You kind of get to know me. And then my Snapchat is personal. That's for me and my friends. We're having a good time and hanging out. There's very few people on that. So figure out what platform you want to use. And when you do it, make sure you are authentically yourself. Do not get on the Internet claiming to be this world-renowned mixologist and I'm this celebrity. But I hate all those terms, just by the way. <laughs> like, I hate them all. Someone did that. I said in my body, a group of people who wanted to do me in a class and when they sent the email out, they was like celebrity? I said, I'm not no celebrity. I just know how to make drinks. I Don't ever call me that, please. Because the stigma that gets attached with that, people come in the door with expectations and then when you don't meet the expectation, now they had a bad time. You know what I mean? And that's not what we want ever. So figure out what you want to do. Be yourself 
and just uh, figure out your lane. I did not go crazy with cocktails when I was teaching people. Um, I wasn't going super in-depth. I took the 25 uh, cocktails every bartender should know that you gave me 10 years ago, and I took that list, and I said, I'm going to teach you guys how to make this, this, and this. I'm going to show you the difference between a stir, the built, and the shake and drink. I'm going to show you the value of fresh ingredients versus store-bought stuff. And I keep it as simple as possible, and people loved it, and they could not. I have actually, I'm booked for two tomorrow. You're kidding. Good yeah, for you. Yeah, I got you. two tomorrow. I have one. Um, it's a repeat. And then another gentleman from another repeat said, hey, man, I had such a good time, man. Hey, my, my wife's birthday is tomorrow. Can you take care of us? No problem. Yeah. I got you. I'm, I'm going to be at home anyway, so, you know, and probably drinking. So, I'm you know, why drinking. not? You might as well join me, right? Yeah, yeah. why not? Let's, let's have learn a little it's, something. It's so much fun just to see people, like, see their faces light up when they see how complex yet simple what we do is, right? You know, I always tell people, when you go in bars, and you, you, might, you might go to this little branch restaurant, you see drinks with, like, 10, 15 ingredients in it, and it looks intimidating. Let me show you how to make – let me just show you how to make a margarita. Three ingredients. Boom, 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 and you're done. And – People are like, wow, I never thought, you know, it was, I said, well, it's just dual purpose. One, I love to educate. And two, when we finally do get to open the bars back up and y'all been home for six, seven, eight months, drinking doubles and quadruples of everything. Right. I don't want you coming in my bar when I make you a cocktail saying I can't taste alcohol. So I'm helping myself and I'm helping you all at the same time. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, what's next for you, Josh? What are you thinking? <sighs> So I will, I'll say it here. I haven't told many people this, but I can say it here because it's you. I am um, contemplating and uh, working on executing a, a move to Las Vegas. Well, this is big news. Josh Davis <laughs> leaving the city of Chicago to Las Vegas. And I'm going to ask you this. Why? So two things. One, um, I'm 41 now. I've been in Chicago all my life. Um, ready for a change. Uh, I hate winter. <laughs> so I'm ready for a change. That's one. Two, uh, I've gotten to know some of the guys out in Vegas very, very well. One person you know very well, of course, is Tony. Mm -hmm. uh, spoken to him extensively, you know, over the years about, you know, Vegas, about how Vegas is. Uh, Gene Samuel out in Vegas has become one of my best friends in the entire world. Um, That's great. And he, he and I host a Super Bowl party in Las Vegas every year that helps uh, the Helen David Cancer Fund that Tony works with. Mm -hmm. We send all the money, all the proceeds we get from that, you know, basically to Tony and say, hey, man, it's for you guys. We do that. So we've done that now for five years. It's been successful. I've gotten my feet kind of planted out there with the right people, and I, I think it's time. It's time to, to bust a move. Me and Gene actually just put in our LLC for Me our too. consulting company that we're going to start in Las Vegas. Wow, this is really big news, listeners. Yeah. And I, I can't believe that you would ever leave Chicago, Josh. I don't want to. Uh, I love Chicago. Like, Chicago made me. It's a tattoo on my arm. I got a long sleeve, but it's right here. I got the Chicago flag with hustle, intensity, and desire. It's everything Chicago has taught me. Like, I'm a Chicago dude through and through. Like, when I go to other cities, they're like, where are you from? Like, Chicago. They're like, south of the west side. I'm like, south side. They're like, yeah, we get it. Because mm -hmm. I carry myself like that, but I'm just at a, at a kind of that crossroads period. Again, like I said earlier, like I don't like ceilings. I feel like I can affect – I've affected a lot of change here, and I feel like I can affect a lot more change if I, I start over and have a little bit of a fresh start somewhere else. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes it's good to get out of town and start new. You know, I lived in Vegas for a long time, for seven years. And that's almost, that almost makes you like someone that was born there because nobody's really born there. Right, <laughs> right, right. But, yeah, this is time. We, I've been talking about it. And uh, like I said, I wanted to get my oldest off to college. That was the main thing. And uh, my younger two, I spoke with their mom. She already was contemplating moving west. She has family in Arizona. Okay. She wanted to move west. I said, well, if you move to Arizona, I'm just on the other side of the mountains in Vegas. We can make something happen out here and kind of, you know, build an empire out there. And also Vegas, I mean, honestly, like, it's a, it's a lot of opportunity there. Even there as big and as crazy as Vegas is, it's still a lot of untapped potential. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I think that, you know, people have this perception of Vegas, you know, that it's just these strip clubs and, you know, all this debauchery and whatever. And that is there too, which is makes it pretty damn fun, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. But there's also this really strong foundation of hospitality that's there. Yeah. And all I can the guys in Vegas, all of them. All of them. And I can tell you that um, my same friends that I met at, when, when I worked there in 1998, are my same friends today. Yep. This is not one or two people. I have yep. a nice group of people that I'm still friends with from the industry. Most of them still work at the same places mm -hmm. um, because they're, the hospitality actually runs very deep Yeah, yeah. in Vegas. It I does. Love Vegas. Like, the industry, I, even it now, like when, I, when I was younger, before we got in the industry, like we went to Vegas and you're right, the debauchery was definitely, <sighs> man, it was very prevalent. I've, I have enjoyed Vegas on so many different levels. But now as I'm older and I'm just looking at it like, that's a, a, a great place to raise my children. You know, the, the last two, I got seven years left. One's 11, one's 10. I got about seven, seven, eight years left. Get them out and also want them to see different things. Because, you know, my dad told us, you know, when we were younger, get out, travel, see the world. It's much bigger than Chicago. Even though this is the greatest city in the world. There's so much more out there in the world for us. You just got to go out there and get it. And I'm the type to jump out the window and try something. So I was like, hey, let's do it. Let's let's go. And I, like I said, Tony's been a, a big help. Nectali's been a big help. Gene, like all them guys out there, Raul, everybody, they're like, dude, you come out here. We're going to make sure you're taken care of. We look out for ours. And we got you. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. The next year, I, I feel like I'll be full time on the West Coast. Wow, this is big news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hoodies in the wintertime. No more. No more. No more <laughs> layers and. <laughs> no more sleeping bad coats. Exactly. You know, God. just hoodies, man. So, yeah, that's uh, I, you are the first person to know outside of my media circle. You know, you are the first person that knows this. So. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with I me. I got to give you the exclusive. You know I, what I mean? You, it is a big exclusive because exclusive, man. you, you are it. Chicago, man. You are Chicago. I, anybody I, that knows, I mean, come anybody on. that's spoken to me over the last 10 years, I will always say I would not be me without Bridget Albert. That's – I, I would Thank you for saying that. I mean, <laughs> no, I, 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 I just, just gave you just a little – kick in the right direction that's all i'm here for <laughs> but, <laughs> now you have helped like all of us like i don't know anybody that doesn't sing your praises and i always make it a point to say hey bridget didn't know me but she always looked out for me she gave me opportunities when we didn't really know each other that well i owe a whole whole lot to you so well thank you thank josh you. i feel like i owe a whole lot to you too you know thank just you. being part of your career watching you grow just from the sidelines has been 
uh, just a thrill. Thank well, you. It's been a real thrill. Thank <laughs> you. I, I've been freestyling most of it. I have had no idea what I was doing half the time. So. <laughs> but again, but again, that's your superpower because you're just by being yourself. Yep. And yep. when you lead from your heart and from like the right place, the right things happen. Yep. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And there's so much work to do in our industry, Josh. There's so much work to do. You know, we didn't even get into so much, but there's just that we're just scratching the surface. Yeah. I feel like our industry is like a microcosm of the real world, right? And we're seeing a shift in the real world and we're starting to see a shift in our industry as well. So, you know, I can't wait to see what the next 10 years brings. You know, I can't either. By 2030, I, I would love to see where we all are, you know, in the game at that point because – I mean, things have happened in the last five to seven years. I never saw happening. I never saw coming. So I can't wait to see what the next, you know, five to ten brings. Absolutely. I can't wait to visit you in Las Vegas and my old stomping grounds and show you around and introduce you to a lot of people, a lot of great friends out there, Josh, really. Please, please, by all means. I want to meet everybody. Like I said, I got the the core crew of guys out there, but I would love to meet everyone. There are some amazing people in Las Vegas. I, I love it there. It's so nice. there Because it's not what, again, going there for so many years, just hitting the strip and hitting the clubs and hanging out with my boys and going to fights. And, like, that was all fun. But I'm like, off the strip is actually just a little bit more fun than the strip. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I go there now and, like, I might go on the strip to go shopping. But that's it. Like, you know, I'm a sneaker guy, so I got to go to the sneaker spot, you know. <laughs> Once I, once I go do that, I'm like, all right, well, I'm, meet me at Herbs or meet me at Cleaver or, you oh, know. Yeah, yeah. You know There's I mean? I, lots to do there. LV, like, I'll go anywhere. Like, I don't want to hang out, you know, on the strip with you guys. Like, that's for the young guys. My son turns 21, I'll hit the strip again. <laughs> You're hitting the strip. My daughter was born in Las Vegas, and really? I'm, I, I'm not taking her back there until she's 21. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he's ready. He, uh, he has 18th birthday. A uh, couple about a month ago, and he got to hang out with me and my partners and all, all his godfathers and uncles. He kind of got a little taste of what hanging out with us is like. So I cannot wait for him to turn 21, and he really understands who his dad really is at that point. We're either going to do Vegas or Puerto Rico. We should do both. We might. You should we do might. both. I don't want to ruin him that fast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I, I can like I had to pick one or the other. He couldn't. I don't because I would love to do it all in one weekend. But oh I don't. I, I don't. I know my child. I don't think he's no. He's not ready yet. He's not ready. Nah, we'll see how. I don't know. I'll see how when he comes home from college. Let's, I'll see kind of how he is because you know, kind of on his own. You know, doing his own thing. So we'll see how he changes. But then twenty one, I'm gonna have something real special planned for him. That's amazing. Well, listen, I want to just, if you could leave our listeners with some sage advice. Sage advice. Uh, And if you could think about, if you could think about um, what you really wish that you would have been told early on. Okay. So I can, I can leave you a few things. Um, Cause ironically, I was told these things. I just didn't apply. them. (laughs) Um, if I was talking to young Josh or a young man in my position when I was, let's say, 24, 25, um, one thing is always, always stand on your beliefs and always stand on your principles. Do not bend for anyone. Always. If they're your beliefs, your morals, your principles, stand on them and be prepared for what comes behind it. You know, I'll give the example of what happened with the Tails incident. I knew. Talk about it. 
Well, you know, with with the blackface incident and all yep. that happened online, I remember a lot of bartenders calling me and texting me asking me had I seen it. And I hadn't seen it at that time. And uh, another friend sent it to me. And I said, oh, this is some bullshit. Wait, I can curse you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I was like, yeah, this is some bullshit. Like, fuck, like, nah, that's not cool. Like, and everybody's like, well, what are we going to do? I said, like, well, I don't know what y'all are going to do. I'm going to say something because we were all supposed to go down there in like a month or two. I'm not, I can't support that. So I'm going to say something. Now, when I did it, I knew there were going to be people that loved me for saying something, standing up and saying something. I knew there were going to be people that hated me for it too. But I, because I stand on my principles and my morals, was okay with the people that were going to hate me and who were going to send shots back my way, who were going to start to dissect me and mistakes I probably made and things like that. I was totally fine with that because I knew I was standing up for the right thing. Mm-hmm. So I tell people all the time, if, if, if you're going to be prepared for what comes when you stand on your feet, because when you stand on your feet and, and you take the brunt of something, you got to be ready. <laughs> you got to be ready because it got rough. My inbox was full of stuff. I re- I remember this, Josh. I remember you put a big post out there, and I remember how brave you were for, very rightly so, like you're saying, taking that stand and speaking out and making those choices on, like, hey, this is this might beat me up, in yeah. so many ways, but too bad. Yeah, right? I, I didn't. I too didn't. My dad. I just. I, I look at my. You know, I always tell people I, I have my dad. You know. We don't have a great relationship now that we're old, you know, I'm a little older, but there are a lot of things that he instilled in me as a child. My uncles, a lot of things they instilled in me. Um, you know, my big homies, quote unquote, you know, when I was in, in the street hanging out, they instilled a lot of things in me. And I've always said, if I can hold my head high when I go back to the neighborhood or I'm around all of them, then I did the right thing. And if I ever backtrack or if I ever am not authentically myself, I can't look them in the face and I have to be able to do that. Cause if I don't do that, then I'm not being the man that I was raised to be. Right. You know, so that's one thing I always, I just, I want people to remember, man, stand up for what you believe in, but also be prepared for what comes behind it because everybody's not going to believe in what you believe in. You know, um, as a younger guy, I would always tell my young guys, if you're single, if you have a good woman, like a Bridget Albert type of woman, <laughs> Hold on to her. Don't make the mistakes Josh made. Hold on to her because she will add value to your life in ways that you don't realize it until you're a 40-year-old man and you're still single and you're like, damn, I really had something good there. So definitely that. And then also, you know, just work hard and and uh, just that's it. Just work hard. Just work hard. Enjoy life. See the world. Take your time having kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's some so, good advice. Yeah, take your time. Hey, if you want, I got a 10, 11-year-old. You can borrow them. I guarantee you bring them right back. Um, <laughs> um, but that's it. That's it. Just, those are kind of, that's kind of like, that's what makes Josh Josh, right? Like, I work hard. I take care of my family. And uh, I stand up for what I believe in. You really do. And you're making space for people. You're making, um, oh, my God, you're just doing so many incredible things. And I think that, with your platform, with Brown and Balance, that you're just getting started, man. I can't wait to see what's next. Thank I can't you. wait to see where you take it. Thank you. Me too. Because I honestly, I just, all I've been thinking about is like, how are we going to do this when the world opens back up? 
how can we still bring that vibe? Because it's about the energy and being in the room with everyone. How can we keep that vibe going when the world opens all the way back up? That's that's yeah. really what I'm fingers across that I'm yeah. looking forward to. And eyes will be on you. Yeah, I know. I know. I got to figure out how I'm gonna deal with that because I'm I'm the background <laughs> guy. I'm the I'm I'm I always liken it. You know, it's funny. I, I always root for the bad guy movies, right? So when you think of like mob movies, the real boss was always the guy in the back. It was never the guy in the front. Goodfellas, Paulie was in the back. He didn't he was say much. in the back. Yep. Yeah, didn't say much. Only spoke to who he needed to speak to. And when he, he when he said something, people listened. And then he went back to the back. I want to be like Paulie, <laughs> but I have to be a little bit, you know, a little different to him and be a little more acceptable as well too. So I'm learning how to balance it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that that's great. Well, I wish you all my very best, Josh. I really do. And I really appreciate you taking some time today to be on Served Up. And just want to tell you, um, just to, you know, be well, be safe, and, and peace. Peace. Thank you. Hey, like I said before, I'm going to say it again. Thank you for everything you've done for me, for my family. We've had, over the years, talks and calls and texts. And, I mean, you've always been down for us. I still got to make it out to Shorewood to come hang out with y'all. Yes, you do. It's, it's coming. And I live a little closer now. I, I, I moved a little further to the south. So I live a little closer now. So I think we're going to have to make that happen the next. Please do. You know, before it gets too cold outside. Yes. Kids and we come on by. I love it. I Done. love it. Thank you for everything. You know, if you call me, I'm coming. So I know. Same thing. All right. Goes two ways. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!